Welcome to season three of Flop Stars. If you've been with us before, it's much the same. We'll take an album that we feel was criminally underrated or ignored on the charts and unpack it. We've taken on Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry and more in the past. And there's plenty more where that came from. I'm Sam Murphy and I'm joined as always by Nick Kelly to take on quite an album this week. We're going back on Paris Hilton's seminal 2006 classic, Paris. Hello, Nick. Sam, I'm so excited about this. You pitched me two ideas for today's podcast yesterday. Um, The other one we will do later in the season. I won't reveal what it is, but it's in a similar kind of vein to this. And I'm really excited to do this because I think there is... You know, we kind of giggle about Paris Hilton's music career now. Paris is 40 now and she's had so many different... Is she really? Turned 40 last month, which is just insane to think about because she's like Why does it feel like if she's 40, I should be 40? (laughs) (laughs) Am I 40? Basically, (laughs) you're close to it. Hey... Closer than I am, anyway. Um, this was a. Oh. This is one of very, very many things she's done with her career so far. The music thing, and I feel like everything she's done with her career has actually had an element of kind of sophistication and success to it. Um, and going back on this album, we always obviously go back on "Stars Are Blind," um, but going back on the album, um, it's got some really, really redeemable moments that I think we can check into today. Look, I think the bar was always going to be low when it came to mm. reviewing Paris's album when it came out. But I think generally there was a kind of air of surprise when the album came out that, yes, it is a very passable pop record. In my mind, when I think about where Paris was at at that time, I'm like, it's hardly surprising at all that somebody who has been so brilliant at playing a character her whole life is good at being a pop star. Like, it just seemed obvious. And I guess, like, she'd done the reality TV show thing. She'd done the celebrity thing. We often talk about the fact that pop music doesn't have any legitimacy. But it's interesting that for her, doing the pop music thing was her way of getting some legitimacy of being like, hey, I'm not famous for just being famous. Here's my talent and here's what I'm going to try out. I'm not sure if it totally worked for her, but there was definitely a sense that this album was more than just a little like passion project for her. And she actually really wanted to launch the pop thing and did a pretty good job, I would say. Paris was in the very early days of those conversations around, you know, folks like Kim who were famous for being famous or, you know, famous with no discernible talent. And that was often a criticism of these people. Um, And and despite the fact that Paris, you know, had to work very, very hard to get to the point of being talented enough at singing to be able to do an album um, and, you know, work with some pretty high profile people to find her voice, um, she did a pretty good job of it. And I think she's done that across her career. Like, you know, she she gets success out of everything she kind of puts herself to. Yeah. You know, whether it is the television side of things. She's now going into a podcasting foray, um, which is looking like it's going to be successful. She's signed a deal with a really big podcasting partner. Um, she's, you know, the 25,000 perfumes she's now made all are bestsellers. Yeah. She doesn't do things in halves. She always goes full and, and thinks about these things and doesn't just kind of throw them out there. Well, I think she understands celebrity better than anybody else. And she definitely understood the idea of the reality show 
um, celebrity and them being more of a brand than anything else. And I think she thinks of herself as being able to add all these arms to her brand. And music was just an addition to that. But at the same time, she did understand where music was at that point and what she needed to do. And it's quite interesting because I think at the time I would have been quite young and and you would have been younger, as you've already said. Um, So I feel like I thought that it was kind of just like she was a bit of a dumbass and this album was just made by other people for her as a way of just like making some quick money and exploiting her brand. Obviously now I'm like, what, 15, 16 years older and looking back on it in this light, it's completely changed my mind on it. She was like quite control quite in control of the project. I'm not sure if like how much input she had into the writing of it, but she definitely knew the kind of people she wanted to work with. And she started working with um, a producer who is called Rob Cavallo, I think, um, who was going in kind of a disco sound with her. But then she met Scott Storch and kind of recognized that pop music was going in a more like hip hop R&B direction and pivoted the project towards that and which was quite clever because at the time it like it was kind of the Timberland sound that was dominating the airwaves and she recognized that and went with that then Stars of Blind was chosen as the lead single which is kind of like <laughs> unlike anything that was going on at the time and yep. just not what anyone would have expected from her to get this kind of reggae tinged song it it still stands out to me as such an anomaly of a pop song in such a bizarre moment do you, what do you what are your memories of that time of that song coming out I hadn't even thought about the fact it kind of was a reggae song when you think yeah. about it. It is. It's got that reggae I kind mean, of I mean, Rihanna would absolutely fuck Stars Are Blind up in the best 100%. way. 100%. That's a song that keeps getting better with age. And I think it definitely does stick out on the album because the rest of it is like... I liken a lot of the songs on the album to kind of like... Uh, for some reason, I keep thinking about the Brat Stoll video game that I had as a kid. Um, yeah. For some reason, we had a Brat Stoll video game on PlayStation. And it was really fun. I don't remember why it was fun. just was. Um, you know, those kind of like middle of the road, you know, pop rock, but really on the pop side kind of songs. And then yeah. there's a few of those more R&B tinge ones that Scott definitely had something to do with whilst he was downing tens of millions of dollars of cocaine every day. Um, and like, I love those those records as well. That really kind of R&B, they keep reminding me of Slave For You um, yeah. by Britney. Um, that kind of energy to it. So yeah. when you put those together and then you've got Stars of Blind sitting there, this like pristine reggae pop song, it definitely does stick out. Definitely. it's. A, I, I think I liked it at the time and I still like Stars of Blind. It's got a real place of nostalgia in my heart, but I do think as, a, as just a song, like as a pop product, it still stands the test of time. Like you said. It's so good. And it's I, so good. Like you play it at a club. I played it at a shopping center DJ set the other week and it goes <laughs> off. Like it works. It's still a great it's song. It's amazing. And I think that's the thing. There was obviously some real hype around this album and people were like good producers were being pulled in. She was obviously pulling some good songs. I love that um, it all started, uh, the whole project kind of started with a song called Screwed, which was written by Cara Diogardi, who's written like big songs for Christine Aguilera and um, Pink and people like that. 
And she wrote this song, Screwed, which was which Paris began talking about in the press as the first single off her album at the same time that Hayley Duff was also talking about this song, Screwed, that was going to be on her <laughs> album. Obviously, Paris got the song um, and then didn't even use it as a single, which is a bit of a power play, so I perfect. <laughs> she was going to call the album Screwed initially, wasn't she? I think this album had a few different names it really, over the journey. It did. It went Screwed and then it went Paris is Burning and then it went to One Crazy Party and they landed on Paris in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a play in itself because I think when you're at that level of celebrity that Paris Hilton was, you've got to like yep. click into the the one name kind of brand and think about your Oprahs and Beyonces and Madonnas and people like that. You want to stick up like that. What do you think though that, what did she want from this album? Because she had it all really. She was already one of the biggest celebrities on earth. She was, she had every endorsement deal under the sun like makeups, like um, what do you call it? <laughs> Perfume. <laughs> That's that spray little thing. Uh, <laughs> what did she stand she was to a gain TV from superstar. putting herself out there and launching a music career? I think you did touch on it earlier, and I think credibility definitely was probably in her mind at the time. Um, you know, she was very much one of the first of these celebrities that was famous for not particularly a talent of any description or and and the, the idea of being an influencer and influencing culture yeah. wasn't particularly huge at the time this is a, a really kind of modern concept um that in the early to like early to mid 2000s wasn't really around um so there kind of had to be this conversation of what is her what is a talent that she has and she's kind of like i can do it all i want it all yeah and makes it happen um I think the way that she went about it was really intelligent as well and really well thought out. And it definitely, you know, added that string to her bow that when we look back on it now, we realise it's a good record. Yeah. Um, you know, it adds to that entrepreneurial bow of hers that she can actually do, you know, stuff beyond just behind the scenes. I yeah. feel like, you know, with, with entrepreneurs spend a lot of time behind the scenes and they don't get to show their talent. She was kind of able to show that talent on The Simple Life a little bit. But it was it was very much a case of actually creating something tangible, I think, and creating something that's got a lasting legacy was probably the idea going into this, however, you know, uh, well she, you reckon she did with that. Yeah, I think it always comes back to the idea of ta- talent and people not thinking she was talented enough to pull off this music career. And I certainly think her voice is quite weak at points and quite strung out and I wouldn't say singing is her talent at all but I think her main talent has always been playing this character and we saw it in that documentary she released last year is that she's doing the whole that wasn't the real me thing I was just playing that for a brand because it could make money which in itself is quite intelligent no matter if you feel like that's authentic or you want to like go on about all that crap it's not authentic but half of the shit you think's authentic isn't anyway so there's something quite fun in pop and I think it's lost it in the past few years as we've gone into this more relatable um era of pop music but we've kind of lost the maximalist shininess of it and when you think about some like early Madonna records and I don't want to like pit Paris and Madonna up against each other because obviously one (laughs) is kind of revolutionary when it comes to pop music and the other barely left a dent 
um, yep. that being Madonna. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do think like you never really knew who Madonna was with each of her eras because she was playing such a character and she was taking on such a thing. And that's, it's entertaining. Like it was part of the industry of pop music to be like that. And I think Paris... Paris suits pop music in that way so well because she is able to play this completely extra character and she is able to just take everything and just turn it up to the max. So nothing on this album is like, I'm not going to really feel emotional at any point of this album or feel like I'm connecting to her in some way, but I was entertained for most of it. And I do feel like I would love to go to a Paris Hilton's like, a concert and hear these songs and see the costumes and see it. So from that perspective, I think that this album is actually quite successful in the terms of pop music. I mean, there's things we are going to dig into that could have been done a lot better. And there's definitely at least half of this album that doesn't stand the test of time quite well. Yes. But at least she can do that. I I find it really impressive that as well. I think another thing that she was able to unlock with doing this is probably, you know, the ability to travel the world a bit more as well and get her brand out there to many more kind of markets because she actually has something to go yeah. there and do instead of just walk into a shopping center and launch a new perfume or, you know, sign some copies of the Simple Life DVD. You know, she could actually tour this record um, as successfully as she wanted to. Um, and then, you know, that's obviously translated into a relatively successful DJing career as well, where she's continued Seriously to kind of frequent the music like, play. Very yeah. successful, huge. 100%. Like where she's made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think music has, has since this remained a really big part of the Paris Hilton brand um, for, for the rest of her career. Mm. And, you know... The as as you know pre-mixed as the Paris Hilton DJ sets appear to be, um, you know she's always kind of had her foot still in music after this album. But you know what, Just, like people know what they like and they're gonna follow it. Like if you like this side of pop and if you like that really like turned on, very acty shiny socialite vibe like Paris milks it for all it's worth and she gets the fans through it and I think that yeah I think somewhat after this music thing she was a little bit deterred by it because I think the criticism was so heavy and it was criticism about her character and her authenticity and things like that that are kind of not very fun to deal with and I think EDM was such a good door for her to take afterwards because that is an industry that thrives off like the theatrics of it all and you can yeah. hide behind so many things and you can just be there I mean there's so many people other than Paris Hilton playing pre-mix sets like I remember David Guetta um, talking openly in an interview how he forgot his pre-mix set for Coachella and actually had to DJ the set, which was a novelty <laughs> for him. <laughs> but it's not like Paris story. denies any of this. She just does it. And it's like, if you want to buy into it, buy into it. If you don't want to, don't. But I think yep. around this era, a lot of people were extremely angry about the fact that here was this person who's famous for being famous, making music, making a mockery of the highly esteemed pop industry. How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> and there was this whole kind of, you know, this was the era where calling, you know, a blonde woman a bimbo was kind of just a done thing. It was kind of the expected yeah. treatment that women women received. And, you know, it even got to the point where Banksy did that ridiculous prank of, you know, uh. replacing 
CD covers with, you know, things saying, why am I famous and topless pictures of her. And it's just like, it's just so yeah. gross to look back on that time, period. Like but a, it was the fact of it. At the time, as a, like a 14-year-old kid, I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. Like, drag her. Yeah. She'd, like, exactly. She's got no talent. Let's just absolutely tear her down. And I think you can, I think it's valid to criticize this album in many ways for its quality, but I don't think it's ever valid to tear someone down to the point where you're actually like showing them naked on their own album cover for, for the only reason for that was mockery really. And some kind yeah. of like comment on fame in this society, which like absolutely spare me with that yawn yeah exactly and and she bit back she did bite back at numerous times and she made it very clear in interviews even though she was playing this kind of ditzy character she she always kept some kind of like feminism at the heart of what she was doing and and like she said to the guardian i think women should be confident and strong and they often underestimate themselves and then went on to talk about how they can be sexy and flirty without having to um, consolidate that by doing anything with men or by owing men anything Um, and she was also very persistent in how she displayed herself as a businesswoman and an entrepreneur and she said I'm a businesswoman I'm a brand I'm an entertainer I love to work I love to do lots of projects at once people can't believe how hard I work which actually kind of sounds like a Donald Trump quote a bit (laughs) when you read people (laughs) people can't believe how hard I work but I mean she was she was trying to show people that yeah I'm like I may have this brand that makes it out that I just kind of fall into whatever's next but there's a lot going on behind the scenes here and there's a lot that I'm putting into this project so yeah the the criticism around this is I mean we still are in an extremely sexist industry but oh oh my god in 2006 it was it was something else yeah as anybody who's it, seen the Britney documentary would have kind of seen as Paris was noted in that yeah we've come absolute leaps and bounds from where we were 15 years ago but like we're still in this completely fucked you know sense of of the of the whole thing and i think that we've still got so so long to go um to where like women can just make music and it have some credibility to it yeah and women can make music and it not be you know seen as being cheap and tacky for being theatrical and camp and and glittery and you know i i like I like looking at your new favorite artist, Ava Max, um, and seeing that. <laughs> How dare you! Put I feel this on like record. she's gonna. I feel like she's gonna touch the parrot. Oh yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the context, guys. Um, so Sam messaged me this week. He's like, I listened to two Ava Max songs this week. So Sam is now an official um, avatar. Um, I feel like like I look at someone like Ava, and she is kind of doing a lot of similar things to what Paris did. She's leaning into this like bleach blonde you know, perfect, pristine Barbie doll kind of vibe visually um, with really kind of pristine, kind of weird, rocky songs. Um, And I love it. And it's camp as hell. And it's like, you can tell it's not, it's not like completely authentic, Um, but she leans into that really well and it makes her endearing. And I think what potentially the difference is between making a record like this in 2006 and making it in 2021 is there's, you can't look at the theatrics and the, the the sort of inauthenticity and find that endearing in 2006 whereas now you actually can yeah. you can you can see with immediacy and not 15 years later you can see with immediacy the 
impact of making an album where you kind of lean into the the lack of authenticity and it becomes quite enjoyable that you're playing a character. And there's lots of characters that are starting to break through. Like, you know, there's um, a TikTok star called Kim Dracula who's coming through at the moment who is just making like these weird emo pop songs, emo covers of like Paparazzi by Lady Gaga. He looks like a vampire like you can tell it's a character being yeah. played and people find it really endearing and people like it. Um, and there's so many examples of that. Um, I mean, even when you think of like Slater, Slater and Kim I was going to say Slater, yeah. That kind of vibe as well. Yeah. They're obviously influenced by this period of pop music that was almost vapid, but that has translated to, to creating this community and like um, empowering people who really find like freedom in the character, the character like play of pop music. If you get where I'm going, like it's kind of like Absolutely. particularly important for the queer community. I think that like to find themselves in that kind of like freedom of you can be whatever you like, sort of thing. Yeah, which I think the really theatrics. owes back to this period. And I mean, like we're kind of heaping on the praise to Paris at the moment. We should also note that she is like have said like noted racist things and there was a lot there yeah. has been a lot of problematic behavior in her character but if she did one thing right it's that she just stuck to her guns with playing this character and was like i don't need to give you my authentic self like you haven't really earned yeah. it i'm giving you what i told you i was always going to give you and i think yeah you're right it's what ava max is doing it's what slade is doing it's what kim petrus are doing and it's like if i want to let you in on my actual private private life i'll do that on my own terms yeah and you won't be getting it right now you'll be waiting for it yeah exactly you you'll be waiting for the the documentary the more you ask the less later. you're going to get it <laughs> whereas with <laughs> exactly. someone like demi lovato it's like you'll get it every 3 minutes if you want <laughs> Also, we record this on the morning Selena Gomez has announced her retirement from music, so... Well, not entirely announced her retirement. Oh, just just like you. teased it. She was kind of like, no one takes me seriously, so I'm going to maybe retire from music. But then it was in reference to Lose You to Love Me, but she didn't think that was received oh. quite as well. But Lose You to Love Me was, was. like a global number one, so I'm not, so I'm not sure what Anyway, we're, we're losing track and we're going anyway, into the present. We, we should like go into the that. song game, talking about this yes. period. I mean, now it's quite, um, it's almost more common than not to have a pop star come from social media, come from a successful career on social media. Um, yeah. And I guess obviously social media wasn't overly present back in 2006. The, the, similar oh i can't choose my words today the similar vibe was socialites or actors or celebrities moving into a pop career so what i want to do today is i want to put up songs off this album against songs by other it girls of the time who had a career in something else before they moved into music love this great idea so the first one we're doing which i think is the ultimate is stars of blind Versus Rumours by Lindsay Lohan. This is actually a very difficult one. We talked about the redemption of Stars of Blind 15 years later. Yeah. Um, and how it's kind of grown into, like, it was very ahead of its time. It really knew where pop was going to go. It really knew where nostalgia was going to go as well. Yeah. I feel like we lean back into songs that sound as pristine as this quite regularly it's also got a dreamy quality to it as well you know especially when it goes into that beautiful like 
I don't know if you call it a bridge or a coda, um, where it just kind of goes into this dreamscape for about yeah. 30 seconds. It's actually quite magic. Um, rumors, rumors is definitely you know in the upper echelon of Lindsay's uh, <laughs> discog, um, but I don't know like if I'm going out to the club and hearing rumors and like obviously I'll find it quite you know it's a nice surprise and delight moment. Yeah, nostalgic. Yeah, it's a nice nostalgic moment, but I don't know if it still gives me the wow factor that Stars of Blind continues to give me every time I hear it. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go Stars of Blind on this one. I kind of liked how obvious pop music was at this point. Like, they would just completely address things that were going on in their yeah, kind of like public literal, life. Wasn't it? Very literal. And for Lindsay to come through with rumors and like this aggressive pop song, I'm tired of rumors starting. I'm, I'm kind of like really into that idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stars of Blind is odd because it didn't do that for Paris. Like, it's just a completely generic love song really it doesn't really like give away anything about Paris whereas Rumours really just like is obviously a very vivid portrayal of what was going on with Lindsay but Stars Are Blind I think is the better is the song that stands up I think only Lindsay Lohan could have done Rumours at the time I think a lot of people could have done Stars Are Blind at the time but it is the better song so I've got to go with Stars yeah, of right. Blind on this one. There is a, a lot more Lindsay in Rumours than yeah. there is Paris in Stars of Blind. That's a really good point about the redemption of that song, but it's still Stars of Blind. I mean, Lindsay <laughs> could also actually sing. She was quite a good singer. Yeah. She yeah had, that's a good point. She had some chops on her where, the, where Paris kind of had to fit into these generic pop songs that would be able to carry yeah. her voice and this song does carry stars of blind carries her voice because it's so kind of like sparse there's so much room around her voice in the choruses she's not really ever competing with any big sounds so she doesn't yeah. have to really overexert herself vocally and i don't i also don't think it leaves her overexposed leaves her exposed vocally yes not overexposed. You're good with words today. today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the first like warm day here in ages, so maybe I'm Trust suffering me, from vitamin D. Normally, overload. I'm no, normally I'm you know mincing my words at eight o'clock in the morning our time. So you're allowed one morning of thank um, you. a couple of mild word minces, which thank I appear you. to now be catching the influence of. Yes. <laughs> What's that next battle? The next battle is Screwed. Versus Good Girls Go Bad by Cobra Starship and Gossip Girls Leighton Meester. What a duo. I was about to say duo, but Cobra Starship's like a beautiful. Um, Okay, let's talk about Screwed because Screwed has, I think you summed it up really well. When we when we first jumped on the call, I was playing it out of my phone, listening yep. back to it, and just trying to remember what it reminded me of. And I was like, it's just very generic interlude of a noughties teen drama. Like yep. it could, it wouldn't have been out of place on Hannah Montana. It's like montage. It's like when they go shopping and there's like people they're going in and out of the dressing room in different outfits. Yeah, yeah, literally. And you also related it really well to um, Selling Sunset, the iconic show. 
um, you can check out on Stan in Australia. Um, yeah. With <laughs> very iconic, very iconic, and very just yeah, very LA the Hills kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, love that song, but Good Girls Go Bad still it's got that same thing that Stars of Blind does that repeatable quality in 2021. It's so good. It's got such a fat chorus. It's got that really great kind of like. Um, kind of sort of cheerleader kind of vibe in the bridge. Yeah. Um, lots of crowd vibe. I think Cobra Starship was such. That's probably. Let's put that on the on the future list. Cobra Starship okay. was such an iconic part of Naughty's music. And what was that other some, big song? They had One Night, which was one of my favorites. I don't think that was the other big one though. One Night was my favorite. I don't just know One Night. Hot Bliss. It was You Make Me Feel. Oh, uh, yeah. With Sabi. Yeah. Love You um, Make Me Feel. You Make Me Feel so la I la, think la, that's la, it, la. really. One yeah, Night they... was pretty big. Well, one night... pretty big. It was big. Number life. one. Yeah, One Night is their 10th most streamed song on Spotify. Only 10th? Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, we're not talking about that song at the moment, <laughs> but we will revisit it at a later date. Um, very, yeah, it's very much Good Girls Go Bad for me. I still think that's one of the best songs of like 2006, seven kind of era. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like Good Girls Gone Bad too. It's very nostalgic and it buys into that kind of like LA bad girl scene so, so well. Literally. And I, again, it was like perfect. it's the obvious, it's like rumors by Lindsay Lohan's just so obvious in what it's doing. Um, but Screwed, I think. I kind of don't like that Paris ended up going with the hip hop R&B route because Screwed mm. is kind of an example of how good the album could have been if she just stuck with like straight out pop and it's like got a slight disco tinge to it. Um, well, the album's kind of split halfway. It's like half hip hop and half like this kind of really obvious pop sound. But Screwed yeah. has a great chorus. She sat like the idea of calling it Screwed when like, she's got a sex tape that's been like circulating for years as well is really clever and fun. Um, so I'm going to go with screwed in this, this instance. Wow. I really like it. Strong from you. Okay. Next we're, one. We're warring. We're finally warring again after agreeing on everything we are. last week. We are. <laughs> we're back, back to our good old ways. <laughs> Nothing in this world. Versus With Me by Jessica Simpson. This is so the testy pops are back too, so it's good. It's Yay! Good. Return to form. Return to form. Um, okay, let's unpack this because let's unpack Jessica Simpson. I yeah. reckon like so. I think she, I'm, underrated. I'm just want to say that I may have like prefaced this wrong because I think Jessica Simpson was actually known for music before she was known for anything else. But at the time With You was really big. It was because of the newlywed show she had with Nick Lachey. Yeah, which was... And, and as someone who was really kind of finding their first music musical loves around that time, yeah. I liked Jessica Simpson's music, but I'd only heard of... I first heard of her when Channel 10 in Australia was playing newlyweds. Yeah. It was like... They would play it in like prime time, like twice a yeah, week. Yeah, it was so popular. And With was You was smash. like the main song. 
And it was so like, it's such an opposite to the Paris song because it was like everyone else was hyping up this LA scene girl thing. Whereas Jessica Simpson was like, I'm a Southern girl and I like my Levi's. (laughs) I'm just a simple girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I think that was really, you know, she had really redeeming qualities to her. Um, And I feel like that song still stands. I just had another listen to it then because I actually couldn't remember it from first glance at the yeah. title. But I was like, you oh only need a second. It's like, no, you only need a second. Um, yeah, so it's with you for me. Nothing in this world doesn't. I don't think it's the best song on the album. Really? The, best the album Stars Are Blind. It's up there, but it's not like, yeah. Like, I, I think it's screwed. better than Stars Are Blind. Nothing in this world. What? Apart from the fact it's produced by Dr. Redacted. Um, yeah. It's it's such a good form. it's like the most bubbly, brighter song that Paris had on the album and another reason why she should have just gone straight out balls to the wall straight pop. Forward. Um yeah. I still I still really like it. I think nothing in this world would go off in a club right I mean anything would go off in a club right now if we could get in it. Um, <laughs> with you is is or I really like With You as well. So this is actually a hard one for me because I think With You is a great song. A good little acoustic pop bop. Yeah. Would I die for either of these songs? No, but in the context of this game, (laughs) I'm going to go with Nothing in This World. Three for three from Paris for me. Wow. Let's see if this one can turn you. (laughs) This is a great one. (laughs) So we have Turn It Up. Versus Jam in brackets, turn it up by Kim Kardashian. I went with the same name. Her assistant. It, interesting they Kim, did Kim that. was her assistant, right? Kim was Paris' assistant. Think so something like that. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> assistant Swoops takes the name for her own song. Um, look, in the lengthy discography of Kim Kardashian, I think Jam Turn It Up is uh, one of the better ones. <laughs> Definitely um, the best one. <laughs> But I think Turn It Up, I think Turn It Up is one of the best songs on the, on the Do Paris you? album. Yes. I, I, why are we disagreeing on this album, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like we both like it. We like a lot of elements of it. Yeah, but this it, is but what I'm saying. I feel elements. like it's split down the middle and you're one side and I'm the other side. Who knew yeah. it could be so divisive in a positive way? <laughs> I think this song put a credible edge on the album and it backed really? it in. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Wow. I'll, I'll back this into the cows come home. Um, yeah, it's Paris for me on this one. I'm going to go back to back to home. I think Turn It Up fucking sucks. Matt, like one of the Boo. worst. It's, it's like so weighty. It feels like dropping like lead into water or something like that. It's just <laughs> no good. That said, the one it's up against <laughs> That's Doesn't... my other thinking as well. I'm not saying either of these are, are sort of Nobel Prize winners, but <laughs> on balance. The Grammys missed out not awarding either of these two. Um, I agree. I think there's a certain art to how monotone Kim Kardashian is in Jam, Turn It Up. And the fact that The Dream produced that song and was like convincing Kim to do it against her will and they still put it out is just like absolutely mind-boggling to me true (laughs) like paris i wouldn't say has a strong talent for singing however kim kardashian 
is on another level. She yeah. she really. Could. I'm just trying to see who released Jam. Turn it up. No, Whole Kim was unsigned. Too. So I'm gonna give it to Kim as um an wow. unsigned indie artist who needs the support. <laughs> Very underground. Very underground, Kimberly. Um, that was an interesting dive because I think there's so many fascinating crossover characters that inhabited pop music at the time that were coming in from other sort of disciplines or the the cult of celebrity. Yeah. Um, there was and there was some really redeeming moments from it as well. Why do you think we don't get? moments like this very often anymore like a paris hilton socialite turned musician i know that like social media stars are turning into musicians but like when you think about it it's people like sean mendez who are going from like vine to to recording music and they're already like quite talented musically obviously yeah like his whole thing on vine was doing six second loops singing songs so uh, you are finding definitely like most of the people coming through you know, the major labels at the moment are, you know, social media stars, but they, music is their discipline. Yeah. And music is the thing they do the most on social media. Um, with that said, um, I think if you were to, I think so many social media influencers that don't do music as a main discipline and just end up putting a song out, um, they often don't do there's been so many examples of them not doing a great song and also of them not being a big enough celebrity to cross it over in the first place. Yeah. But there's been a lot of examples of the song not being good enough. And it was really, really, I feel like there was a period like 2015, 2016, where there was a lot of that, where you had kind of, you know, um, skinny Métis style influencers doing, trying to cross over and do music or do a vocal on a song. Like, um, what's that? Like Cameron Dallas. I think he Yep. He did it. He did it. Um, there was a bunch of... You- it was all the YouTube age. I mean, like, there is quite a lot of YouTubers who are still, like, making that really, like, punky emo trap sound and doing not a great job of it. Yeah, which I kind of like. I'm just trying to look back on my, like, 2016 most played kind of songs and see if there's any examples in there, but I don't think there is. <laughs> I think... Um, Charlie Puth was kind of one. He was kind of hovering really? around the YouTube circles early on. But he's very, um, like, he's very talented. But he's also, yeah, he's also a musical genius. I just can't think of any who are like Paris, who are obviously not very musically inclined, who have kind of been moulded into a music career. It's just interesting that that's kind of been steamed out. And maybe it has been yeah. because um, social media is shining a light on so many people who have actual musical talent. And also I think the talent show phenomena really made people feel a bit like armchair critics and they feel like they need to be judging singing and they need to be judging. And it goes back to like the fact that pop stars like Britney Spears um, and J-Lo weren't really writing their own music in the beginning. Whereas now everyone's kind of looking at the the credits and being like, oh, did Olivia Rodrigo actually write on driver's license? They're really invested in artists as writers which the I power don't of the think song really, again. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think that was really happening in the early 2000s. So I think people are maybe just more educated on what goes into a song and they're wanting more from their artists in terms of talent in, um, yeah, in I think it's comments. definitely an element of that. I think one of the most recent ones I can think of is, um, the Janoskians, um, who were a, yeah. a YouTube, kind of thing in the early 2010s, maybe 2012, 13. Um, and Sony signed them 
despite not displaying a skerrick of musical interest, um, to put out a bunch of like, you know, really mediocre but kind of fun songs. Yeah. Um, inc- including a song I believe that was called Real Girls Eat Cake, which was a scar song. <laughs> Um, and just was the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. It was kind of great, but it was very bizarre. Um, and that's the last one I can remember. And I remember it died in the ass. They had like one very tepid hit and then the rest just died, absolutely died after a couple of singles. And I think they've been scared of doing that, of trying to do that again, of trying to put in the work. Cause it's a lot of work as well to turn someone from, there's a requirement for credibility now, I think. Definitely. And it takes a lot of work to get someone from having never done that before to actually being a credible pop artist. It's just too hard. You and I lack um, musical talent. So maybe somebody could send us a song and we can see if we can launch ourselves as a duo. We should give it a go, shouldn't we? Yeah, we, should we also really don't really have the social media following that any of these people do. But I mean, you're, That's a good point. you've got much more than I do, but <laughs> we could give it a go. <laughs> if anyone wants to send us a song, we'll record it and um, put it on next week's episode. <laughs> well, I'm verified on Instagram now, so I should very clearly be um, more influential in the music space now. So give me, give me a song and I'll... Yeah, I'll I reckon we Sam. could do a good job. We'd certainly do better than um, than Demi Lovato and Sam Fisher's What Other People Say. How's that going? Fuck off. I'll let you know at the end of the show. We're going to do a weekly update on how that's going on okay. the charts. We didn't do it last week, so I'm guessing it's not. It's a bi-weekly update then. Okay. <laughs> Give it some time. Give it some time. Hashtag. All right. Hit, me with, hit me with your... <laughs> Hashtag what? Hashtag wops. W-O-P-S. What does that mean? What other people say. Oh. Hashtag WAPS. Okay, is that what the Levatic, the Levatics are going with? The Fishers. <laughs> the Fishers. I can't remember what's saying. Anyway, we are absolutely off track here. Um, okay, you want my game? Yes. I can't believe we've already got my game. Okay. So we've um, already been doing called... this for 42 minutes. I know, and I've got a phone call at 10 o'clock, so we actually need to... Oh, okay, We're actually been out. Yeah. So this is great. I should have said that many minutes ago. Anyway, let's cut out the like, last three minutes. <laughs> No, we're not cutting out the last three minutes. <laughs> it shows our real personalities. Um, this is us when we're at home. That's a good point. This yeah. is armchair conversation. This is water cooler chat. Okay, my <laughs> game is called Paris or the Hilton. I'm going to read reviews of the Paris Hilton album by fans, and I'm going to read reviews of the Hilton Hotel in Sydney <laughs> love by this. accommodatees. It's now, specifically I'm Sydney. Take- Specifically the Sydney one I'm going to try and take out some of the specifics To make it a little bit more difficult Mm -hmm. Let's start with this one Surprisingly good I never expected it at all Wow Surprisingly good I never expected it at all Mm. Is that about Paris or the Hilton Hotel? It's a good one because it could be either Because I feel like you don't go to to the Hilton Like really expecting Like top notch experience Yep Yep. I'm going to go with the Paris album on that one. Ooh, interesting choice. But it's a right one. You yes. are correct. That was a review from Derek MC in August 2006. Surprisingly good. I never expected it at all. Wow. This album is even more entertaining than Beyonce's last album. No. <laughs> That's the that is the that is part of the review from Derek MC there. Number 2. <laughs> <clears throat> 
My only issue was cost. I expected a premium price, but it was still high. My only issue was cost. I mean, I these were the days when you couldn't just like take it out for a spin drive on streaming services. So oh, no. I guess if, no, no, no. if you put your $20 on the Paris album and it didn't match up to your standards, that's disappointing. However, Absolutely. I think um, the vernacular is more owed to a hotel experience. Interesting. Okay. You are correct on that. Congratulations. My only (laughs) issue was cost. I expected a premium price, but even so, the price of a room service and internet, etc. was high. I Mm. feel like I I should have gone and found reviews from like 15 years ago of the hotel as well. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, it would have been good. Um, Okay. Here comes uh, the next one. Um, Oh, actually, hang on. I've just lost the one, the really good one I had. Um... Hang on. Hang on. Um, Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Amongst yourselves here. Okay. The amount of negative publicity it's receiving is very unfair. Is this about the Hilton or about the Paris album? (laughs) The amount of negative publicity it's receiving is very unfair. What's that about? Mm. Paris album or the Hilton mm. Hotel? I mean, it would be bizarre to feel so strongly about the Hilton that you feel like they're being unfairly trashed. Yeah, so I'm going to go the Paris album. It's about the Paris album. Congratulations. Yes. You're doing very well here. I am. Okay. Number four. Is this about the Paris album or the Hilton Hotel? On arrival, we were treated like a criminal because I got in a lift and there was one other person in it. I was told to leave and threatened by the bouncer that if he had to come up and throw us out, there would be big trouble. We do not drink alcohol, so we were not drunk. We were well-dressed, well-presented, and just simply did not deserve such bad service from a five-star hotel. Is that about the Paris album? This has got to be during Corona, yeah. Which it makes sense. You can't catch a lift with one. Like, you're meant to be not sharing lifts with people outside your household. So that's I want to say that I'm siding with the bouncer in this case, and it's a review of the Hilton Hotel. Yeah, that is correct. You're right on both points. And the Hilton obviously uh, clapped back to this one-star review, <laughs> uh, saying, with COVID-19 restrictions in place, there are capacity limitations in all spaces of the hotel, including lifts, and the team take these restrictions very seriously. Well, I agree, Mr. Hilton, and I've come to yeah. your defence there. I think that's an unfair review. Yeah. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Super- superficially, it has everything you could ask for. Superficially, it has everything you can ask for. Is this a glowing review of Paris's record or is it a review of the hotel? Superficially, this is a good one because, I mean, you could say that about a hotel, definitely. Well, I would say that about the Paris album. As we discussed, it's not going to win a Nobel Prize, but it has everything essential to a pop album, oh, I believe. No, you really Superficially, it has everything you could ask for. What I is think this it's about of? the hotel. Hmm. You might be about to falter here. I'm like, well, you can just tell me. It's about the hotel. Congratulations! It is. Oh my god! Yes. I actually thought it was about the Paris. Like I was, you were really messing with my mind there. I'm gonna do uh, one more. You ready for this? Yeah. 
If you like this, you need to understand that you have bad taste to the extent of which you are not going to be taken seriously as an adult, in brackets, assuming you actually are an adult. (laughs) I mean, the Hilton's pretty shit, but, like, don't come at people (laughs) that strongly. It's pretty strong wording, isn't it? (laughs) And after that, no adults ever stayed at the Hilton again. It's a (laughs) child-only hotel. (laughs) Became a pre became a preschool. <laughs> is that about Paris or the Hilton Hotel? That's about the Paris album, I think. It sure is. A review from Dr. Yes. Fuckerchuck in 2006. <laughs> it goes on for a long, long time. There's an anom- uh, an, a, uh, I love that. Comparison to Big Macs <laughs> and uh, Beethoven is mentioned. Paola gets a run. Um, I love how they think that when you cross over into adulthood, you're suddenly just gifted with good taste as well. And if you don't display (laughs) that good taste, you lose your title as an adult. Yeah, you're back to being a baby. It just makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) I reckon Dr. Fucker Chuck would absolutely hate this podcast. Absolutely. But I reckon Dr. Fucker Chuck should be sentenced to listening to every single... Part of this. Um, congratulations. <laughs> Don't that blame is me full... for liking the Paris album. I'm a baby. <laughs> is that your impression of a baby? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving me the clap react on Zoom. Oh, that, I'm actually redacting it now. No, that was pretty good. That was a terrible baby impression. Okay, I want to talk about some of the funniest parts of this um, Paris album because, as always, we're very complimentary about the the least passable albums that we do. Um, But there's some really great moments on it. I think the closing statement of Do You Think I'm Sexy, a Rod Stewart cover, is particularly good. And she actually pulls it off. Like, she's got that kind of, like, Rod Stewart swagger in a little bit where she believes so much that she's so sexy that it somehow works. And she kind of, like, slurs her way through it. Um, It's quite magical, actually. And then she also uses a Bee Gees sample on I Want You. I think it's Night Fever she uses or Grease or something like that. Maybe it's Grease. Um, so Barry Gibb's got a co-write on that one. <laughs> I love that. That is the legacy of Barry Gibb. Screw anything else. Definitely. No staying alive required. So it's so interesting that she went half with I'm going to make a disco record and then flipped halfway, decided she was going to make an R&B hip-hop record and they both kind of met on the album in some kind of very uncohesive vibe. There's something strangely cohesive about it, though. I don't know what it is, but it I feels think her, like... Her, it... her commitment to her character, maybe. And the That's themes it. of it. The themes of it is all basically like, I'm hot, full I'm of confidence. Hot. That's hot. I'm great. Yeah. And, so that sh- and so there should be. If you're going That's to great. make an album She's that sliving. is... This bonkers... She's sliving. She's sliving. That's sling and living. <laughs> um, I think there's something really, like lovely and redeemable about her just committing to the act and committing to how bonkers and all over the place it's going to be. As long as she does commit to that, that is where the through line of an album comes is in the personality and they're very personality driven songs and they're very much driven by her. Um, You know, and that often makes up for her lack of, you know, actual singing ability as well is there's personality packed to, to the, to the maxes. Um, And yeah, it's weird. Like I look at, 
you know, all of the different kind of sounds that are packed into this album, but I feel like it wouldn't be this album without those edges to the sound. If it was one, you know, I think we've talked about where we kind of would have liked to see it pigeonholed. Um, yeah. If, if it was just that, though, it wouldn't have the edge and it wouldn't have the kind of uh, talkability of what it actually ended up being. So I kind of love this album as a product. So if you're putting like on your A&R hat, like take yourself back to 2006 and this album doesn't exist, you're launching Paris's <coughs> music career, where are you yep. going with this album or are you not changing it? It's really hard. In 2006 as well, where there was kind of a bit of a seismic shift going on between moving away from the pop rock vibe, moving into more of the hip hop pop, um, yeah. but still there was room, I, I suppose, for, you know, straight forward to the floor pop as well. So it's very hard to kind of work out where you'd go. I'd probably have lent it more into the disco side. I'd probably have got a few more stars of blinds on there and lent yeah. into that kind of disco with a bit of a sort of, you know, live tinge to it. Cause you know, there's some nice live kind of drums on stars of blind, for example. Um, yeah. I would have probably lent more into that. I probably would have pulled it away from the pop rock. I think she, Paris yeah, is pop too... rock is not a good vibe for her. Not for her, no. I think no. she the, the pop rock songs on the album are bad, but I just think they're too cookie. They're not her, and they're very cookie yeah. cutter. And I think her kind of sultry sort of delivery suits really well on a kind of slow jam disco with a bit of an R and B tinge element yeah. to it. So that's probably where I would have kind of filtered it towards had I been the A and R when I was nine years old. <laughs> Whilst I was living at the, Stay, the Hilton. Staying at the... <laughs> Fuck, I love that we both went to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to crack on with my game because we're running oh, yes. out of time. As per. So this game, I was kind of like reading some of the comments on Paris and thinking how people get really on their high horse and like they think they're above this album because people think their taste is so superior that everything else is beneath them. And then yes. when I thought of that, my mind immediately went to Radiohead diehard yes. fans. And just before, if there's any Radiohead fans listening, I get it. I don't love, know how big that Love a bit of Radiohead myself. I think we'd have at least 50% Radiohead fans be Paris fans. <laughs> I think I I'm get it. Safe. Radiohead a seminal, very important, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I do think sometimes the, the critique around them is very elitist. So I thought it would be fun to put up reviews of the Paris Hilton album against reviews of Radiohead. And I want you to tell me whether it's a review of Radiohead or whether it's a review of Paris. This is good. I really like this. Are you ready? I'm ready. True love feels as though it's being sung about in air quotes. Love feels like it's being sung about in air quotes. Oh, this is really tough. You've gone to the hills to find these reviews. I've, I, I've gone far and wide. Far and wide. Searching far True love sounds like it's being sung about in air quotes. I don't feel like Paris went for true love energy on the record. Stars Whereas I feel like. Yeah, but that's still like very that's true love. That's more romping first love, beach. isn't it? Romping. <laughs> she was the epitome of the romp era. You know, when all the gossip mags are talking about beach romps. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Romp was the best word. Oh, um, romp so good. Because because they couldn't say rooting or ha- having sex on an album. Romping's on a not magazine rooting. Cover. Romping's just 
gently no, walking on the beach. Maybe a skip. No, romping, romping is... No, I feel like romping was laying on a lilo at a beach, sort of making out passionately. That was my sort of understanding of romping. <laughs> All right, this day. is why... How did we get here? Literally 30 seconds minutes. ago. How did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to say this is Radiohead. Yes, you're correct. It's Radiohead. It's the Atlantic's review of A Moon-Shaped Pool, their most recent album. That's a funny quote, actually. Okay, the next, thing, the next quote is, is it a masterpiece, a hype, a compendium of cliches? Masterpiece, a hype, a compendium of cliches. Compendium of cliches, I feel like, is a more of a Paris vibe, so I'm going to go with Paris on this. That is Rolling Stone's review of Kid A by Radiohead. Oh, I should have thought that. (laughs) The next one is, you are gripped by the fear that civilization as we know it is doomed and that brimstone is going to start raining from the sky at any minute. (laughs) I mean, naturally I go to Radiohead with that kind of stuff, but... Is it just a review of sort of music culture around this album and the the, exist, the mere existence of this album in 2006 from Paris? I'm going to go with Paris for this. That is correct. It's The Guardian's <laughs> review of Paris. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I don't agree with it. I won't be caught agreeing with it, but it's very funny. The next one is disconnected, self-aware, tense, eclectic, head-turning. Ooh, can you repeat all of those words again? Disconnected, self-aware, yep. tense, yep. eclectic, head-turning. All of those things I would put as words that relate to the Paris album. It definitely does all of those things. Self-awareness, that she's just basic. <laughs> Dis- it's disconnected from, the re- from reality. It's eclectic. We've discussed the many genres that fit on it. I'm going to go Paris. That is Pitchfork's review of Amnesiac by Radiohead. Oh. I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> the final one is a strange record of contradictions. It's an exercise in non-commitment and expression of indifference. I've, it's got to be Paris. That's Pitchfork's review of Paris. Yes! <laughs> And Very that's well the beauty done. of the album. The beauty of the album is it's it's complete indifference and it's complete, you know, it's bonkers. It's a bonkers album. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have come to the point where we give it a review out of 10 and we give our best and worst songs. All right. Best song, Stars Are Blind. Yeah. Worst song... I want to say nothing in this world, but I think no, I'm... Absolutely Yeah, and I, I know, and I know I'm upsetting you with this thought. You're going to upset oh, a lot actually, of people. Fighting Over Me with Fat Joe and Ludacris. That's a hands-down worst if one. If you disagree with Nick, tweet him world emojis. Just spam him. Spam him like, like Why Taylor world Swift, emo- the snake. Why There's world nothing emo- in this world. Oh. Fighting, I agree. Fighting over oh, me is the worst song. Yeah, I I just feel like it could have been like a perfect pristine pop record if it didn't have Fat Joe on it. Fat yeah. Joe doesn't need to be on everything, even though I made Fat Joe my you flop of the week Fat, a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, oh, he's very he's very good in twenty twenty one. Score out of ten. That's a really difficult one. 
I liked this more than I was expecting to go back go back on it. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay, that's good. That's very good. I am going to give it a 6 out of 10. And I'm going to say my favorite song is Nothing in This World and Stars Are Blind. And my least favorite song is Fighting Over You or Fighting Over Me. Great. Whatever it's called. Yep. I'm happy with that. And Yeah. But a tiny bit lower than me. Me, the optimist of the group. <laughs> you, the negative one. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Do you have a flop of the week before you have to go? Yep, so just before we get to the flop of the week, a quick update on what other people say by Sam Fisher and Demi Lovato. Okay. Uh, number 703 on iTunes in the US. <laughs> on iTunes? Yes. Not charting on Spotify or Apple Music in the US. Okay. That's the update. Only 702 spots to go. That's exactly. Until I get my Kyle bottle of Kylie wine. I'm going to get it. It's going to happen. I'll keep you updated, everyone. My flop of the week this week is from an amazing singer from the UK called Maisie Peters. The song is called John Hughes uh, Movie. Uh. It's been about three years in the making. She is. She counts Sam Smith, Taylor Swift, um... Maisie Williams from the television amongst her fans. Um, she's just a really likable, relatable artist. She had a lot of kind of like ballads and acoustic stuff in her repertoire in the past, but this new song called John Hughes Movie is like Sigrid on steroids. Like it's a big kind of... Yeah, very know, Sigrid. Very Sigrid. And considering Sigrid is literally missing at the moment... Like file a well, missing persons that, that's report. That's alarming. She's not, not actually, actually sorry. Missing. She's not actually literally missing. Um, but she hasn't released a song in about three years. Um, yeah, definitely check this out if you love that kind of big maximalist pop stuff. Yeah, love it. Good one. I'm going also with a pretty recent song. Someone who I know you really like. Good, you're good mates with her. I'm going with. Get, can you guess? Oh no, no, I can't because I feel like you're setting me up for failure. No, I'm not. Go. That I really like and I'm good mates with her. Yeah. Um, what, is it Charlie? No, it's not Charlie. Is it? But that's a great song. Charlie Hard for me. You should stream. Really Check good. Check that out. Australian pop song. Um, yep. It's Sacrifice by BB Rexa. Absolutely oh, my God. I'm so happy about this. Mammoth House song. Um, by Burns, who did a lot of... Uh, produced by Burns, who did a, lo- um, a lot of work on Chromatica. And she's just gone full into clubhouse mode. And I just think this is the pop sound that's going to really define the year. And she sounds so freaking good doing it. Ah. And she's just such, um, she's so chaotic, BB Rex. I absolutely love it. Oh, I make, this makes me so happy because you know how much and for how long I've been backing in BB. And I, I did see a lot of positive sentiment around this song when it came out last week. So I'm really, really happy that people are vibing to it. It's a turning her point for her. She's out. killed it. Well, I, I think it was going to happen because she did have a change of management, um, a bit of a reset as an artist um, she sort of late you. last year. She met me. Um, yeah. All of those exciting moments. She's the best. And she's she's bonkers as well. She's completely bonkers, but she embraces it. I reckon this is going to be BB's biggest year yet, and she deserves it. I hope so. Nick, deserves it's been it. an absolute pleasure. Run off and do your silly little call. 
It's it's always a pleasure to podcast with you, my friend. It is. It's my <laughs> Make sure you subscribe activity. on uh, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and leave a review. We will always read your reviews out, except for now because I forgot to bring it up and I don't have time. But there's probably no new ones anyway. Um, actually, let me just check. No, I'm, I must check now. No. And no if you're more. looking for somewhere to check your children into, if you need a break, uh, we have a, a promo code for the Hilton. <laughs> just put in Flop Stars 10 for 10% off the only children's hotel in Australia. Until next week. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>